Good morning. Welcome to worship. Psalm 111 calls us into worship today as the church. And it reads, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Prayer. Our eternal Father in heaven, you have you have revealed yourself to us in these many ways and these many wonders and works now throughout time we gather here now to bow before the God of the ages the one who has not just done wonders through time but also in our own lives particularly the Lord in this past week we now turn back praise for the blessing of each new day and for the ways that you have given us the new creativity for which we can live our lives to honor you and to glorify you. Lord, now we ask that you would open our mouths to rightly orient our praise to you once more, that as you created us to be worshipers of you, that now you would, by your spirit, present here with us, again, connect us back to you so that we can feel the thrill of that hope that we have in you by being connected, by being in relation to the one who created all things. So as we, as we sing now, Lord, our prayer is that you would, you would use this as a way to be connecting, even reconnecting our hearts, our minds, our, the souls back to you. Lord, we seek that. We seek to flourish as your creation. So again, open, open our lives so that they may be for you and through you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us worship the Lord our God. Good morning, everybody. Let's sing some praises to God.
you loud clapper in the back <laughs> guessing that's deborah shana who is that shana shana without my glasses and all masked up you kind of all look alike now there's deborah i hear your voice now see my ears i can trust more than my eyes good to see everybody here this morning as we worship the lord our god together we began with psalm 111 and now Let's join around Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, as we moved into a time of confession before our Lord. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, 
In Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that, may, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We pray with me. So Lord, we do approach with confidence into this throne of grace, a throne upon which you are seated, the one who dwelt among us, and even though you were tempted in every way that we have been and are and will be, you did not walk away from holiness. You did not walk away from the way that leads to life through the living sacrifice of love, even though, Lord, we have. And so we, as we approach that throne, recognize our own weaknesses, and now we offer them to you. Listen to, listen to our own hearts as we, in this moment, can silently reflect upon our need for you. Amen. And Paul reminds one of his disciples, uh, one of his great disciples, Timothy, in the first letter that we have that he wrote to this disciple of his in the very beginning, verse 15, it, he writes this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And for all of us that gather here, we get together with that, with that trustworthy saying, um, one of the one you can imagine that this was something that had been written down and was being now passed through all of the early churches and Paul can already by the time he's writing here to these first disciples already be be sharing with him and, and now with us that there are things we can trust that were recorded that were saved from the time of Jesus that you can trust and you can lean on now in confidence and that's actually why the church exists that's why the church exists, so that we can be this living witness to that which is trustworthy and that which can be leaned upon in your life. We all need, we all need to be pointed to and, and to find and, and to be led to those places that are trustworthy, that we can lean on. And Paul reminds us that from the very word of, the very word of God and the living witness in the Son, Jesus Christ, that he came into this world to save us in every way that we needed saving. God is good all the time. We're going to be looking today at 1 Corinthians again, uh, that letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, but we'll be in, ver in the chapter 8 today, so you can be moving over there. As you go, uh, I'm not sure how many of you were able, but we had the national conference for our denomination this past weekend, and if you did not get on live to see all the different speakers and uh, items that were shared, you can now actually do so still because it's been recorded and it will be put up on their, on their site. There are a couple different speakers that I really felt were, were hitting the church right where it needs to be hit. <laughs> we're really pushing on um, the witness of the church in ways that you, the term we might use in the church is prophetic, but uh, if you're not in, regularly in the church, the term might be 
It's just pushing us where we need to be pushed. A variety of speakers from different backgrounds, not even all were, were Presbyterian. And it, it was great. It was great to hear from them and to feel also with the thousands of people that were watching across the country, right? Remember, we're, we're part of a network of hundreds. I think at last count, there are above 400 churches um, all across the nation that are a part of our, our network. And uh, we all got to be on to hear this. So I encourage you, go on and listen to the different themes that were brought out of how to be the church in 2021 based on the culture that we're living in. Okay, we all made it over to 1 Corinthians. Again, this is chapter 8. And basically we'll be reading from verse 1 to um, 13. Now, about food, sacrifice to idols. I know that's not a theme you were all thinking about when you came today, but it's on Paul's mind. Now, about food, sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote-unquote gods and many quote-unquote lords. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak, their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks we give to the Lord our God. And let's pray. Lord, we ask again that your spirit would give us what we need now, that through the scriptures, that through the words that we will concentrate on together as we meditate on them, that this would be your, your very word speaking to us today, which we have come to listen to and, and to recognize and, and to internalize. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm not sure there is a more powerful repellent than a puffed-up Christian. I'm not sure there's a more powerful repellent than a puffed-up Christian. And a repellent 
in two ways. One within the church. One within the church. It's like when when Paul's saying if, if we get knowledge and it, I, okay, I love the word. This is one of those geek Greek things. The word that is used for for puffed up was the word that they also used for a bellows, one of those devices that would, would shoot out air on a fire. So Paul's saying that knowledge has this capacity to be like this device that would puff us up. And in the church, when, when someone gets so puffed up with knowledge that they begin to be conceited or, or that vanity begins to take over, it's as if they begin to float above, like, like a balloon being puffed up with air. They can begin to float over atop everyone. And this brings dysfunction, disunity, and disconnection. The second thing that this does is it's a repellent. So first of all, it's a repellent to unity in the church, to witness in the church, which we need nowadays. We need to be able to minister to one another in these difficult times. But also the problem is the repellent has caused for us in our witness outside of the church. A puffed up Christian or a puffed up even church, Paul says, is maybe one of the fastest ways to lose our witness. And so Paul brings about this juxtaposition between the, the use of knowledge and the role of knowledge when considering the, the primary goal of the church, the primary goal of our life, which is the love of God first and foremost, the orientation of all things. Paul is bringing before this, um, before this Corinthian church, this idea, because um, as we talked to last week, they, they have been writing to this first leader of the church. Paul planted this church in Corinth, and now about three, four years later, they, they have written him a letter. We've actually know he already wrote them a different letter, but we don't have it anymore. It's been lost in time. So it says 1 Corinthians, but really it's probably like 2 Corinthians. But one of the questions they have is what do we do about the food that's been sacrificed to other gods, to idols? You know, in this time period, um, one of the ways that people would appease the gods out there is they would take food and they would sacrifice it. They, they would offer it. They would, they, would, they would hand it over to these gods in, in various ways. And so the question is, Okay, so if it was sacrificed to a god, even though we know that that god isn't real, if we participate in it, are we not in some way validating or supporting that system? So it's a bit of a complex question they're writing to Paul. It's a bit of a complex question. But again, kind of like last week, Paul takes this question and tries to dig a little deeper below the roots of the question to say maybe, maybe... That's not even the right question. He goes, he goes into it. He lays out the argument. He lays it, you heard it. I just read it. He, he lays out the logic about how there are not other gods and there's only one God. But he says, the deeper issue here is how you are using your knowledge. The deeper issue here is how, as a church, you're taking things that you, you learn and you are employing them. How are you using them? How are you modeling <laughs> how to properly use the knowledge that we've gained. We, we have a, a very well-known saying in our, in our society that knowledge is power. Yeah. Knowledge is power. 
when this is very true. What Paul is recognizing is that power has the ability to both build up and also to to be a repellent or, or to bring friction or or to go against what the Lord Jesus would want for us in our lives. The great line that Paul uses is that knowledge puffs, puffs up, but love does what? Builds up. Lo- knowledge is so important. Knowledge is so important, especially right now in the times we're living in, in which people are losing so much, in which the, the, the threat, this, this specter of death is so readily aware and around us, in which livelihoods seem to be being lost because of this, the, the economy in which COVID has brought upon us. There's so much confusion in our world about what is truth and what's not. Knowledge is very important. Understanding is very important. And for the church, we possess, we possess a knowledge and an understanding that needs to be shared. The people around us need it. They need to know that there is more to this world than meets their eyes. That there are ways to be saved in this world at times in ways they don't even realize they need saving. And in those ways that they do have felt needs, that they are found in following the Lord Jesus. The church has this message that needs, that needs sharing. It needs to go out. And Paul's concern is that we might have this message for one another and for others, and it can be, it can be lost. Because instead of using this knowledge in a way that is intended to serve and, and, and to let other people enter in to find that light, we can get puffed up. This, this, this bellows of, of knowledge can come in and it can puff us up to the point that we are disconnected, which in God's design of humanity, a relationship in which there is this disconnection has no place. God's design for us is that we would have this intimate relationship with our creator, with God, which is amazing and mysterious, but also with one another, which is also amazing and oftentimes feels us feels like to us in today's world to be a mysterious option because we can't imagine being in connection or relationship with certain people that post those certain things on Facebook. <laughs> in fact, today, I think more than any time that I remember in my own lifetime, it's so easy to demonize the other and just push them away. Oh, you just wrote that? Well, where's I, I can't find the unfriend button quick enough. <laughs> and boom, disconnection. You see what happens with knowledge? I can use my knowledge to disconnect myself from that person. Now, you might not consider that being puffed up, but in some way what's happening is you're using the knowledge that you have to, to put that barrier between the other person. Now, I'm not saying we don't speak truth. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying we don't speak truth. I'm not saying that we maintain truth. I'm not saying that we try and hold people accountable. That's all roles for, for our lives and as the church. But here it is. Anything that we learn, any knowledge that we gain, is, is for the sole purpose of growing our capacity to love. 
you catching this? The, the role of learning, the role of understanding things like the Lord or theology or the church or scripture, how the Lord wants us to live, the role of this is that we would learn so that we can love the right way. Anything that we learn is to be employed, is, is to be instruments to better this world, to better, the, to better that reconnection between people and the Lord, to better that reconnection between, between ourselves and, and, and other people. Knowledge should be almost like fueling the, the, the epicenter of that reconciliation that we believe the church to be. But too often, right, the, the knowledge that we get ends up being something that, that becomes the barrier between people. I mean, haven't these things become barriers in our world? Because some people have knowledge, some people don't. Isn't that how we think about it? No matter, no matter if you think we should be wearing these or you think it's silly that we're wearing these, no matter where you are, or if you think we should wear two or three or four or none, no matter where you are, it's the knowledge of it that, that then at some point crosses a line to that person being, as Paul would call it, puffed up. And then instead of building up love, everything is falling apart. You can apply that to pretty much everything the church is having to deal with right now in our time frame. In 2020 and before. Every decision the church is trying to wrestle with. It's this, it's this trying to figure out how, how do we hold the knowledge that we have without being so puffed up that we're losing the ability for love within the church, but also then to witness to that love outside of the church. Love is the rule through which, a filter through which, the, the rule that, that we are to understand everything that we know and, that, and also is the reason for which we have gained all that knowledge. It's a beautiful thing that we have to offer to this world. We have, we have the, as scripture calls them, the words of life. We're turned around and called the light of the world. We've been given this message of reconciliation. We are called ministers of reconciliation. I'm not a minister. We are ministers of reconciliation. All y'all, <laughs> all of you are ministers of reconciliation in this world right now. And it's one of the first steps into taking up that, that role that you have been given by the Lord Jesus. Even if you don't call him Lord and Savior right now, even if you're still trying to understand that. You know, what? when Jesus was first ministering in the world, he called these 12 disciples, and they were having a very difficult time understanding who he was. And yet he called them to follow him. And so also, no matter who you are listening here or, or online, no matter what you've yet said about Jesus or how you feel about that faith in Jesus, he's calling you the same to follow him and put his model into practice. And that model includes when you gain knowledge, when you gain knowledge, think about how it's going to help you build this world, not tear it down, to create those, those avenues in which it's a love defined by Christ, a sacrificing love. 
the one that goes to the cross, love, in order to find that connection point between all things. Over time, all of those disciples, they employed this type of life, and they all realized by watching Jesus do it, that's what brought them into knowing, wow, this is the Son of God. <laughs> they saw the, the miracles that were wrought through this type of living, through, through how God originally designed us to be. And so we, within the church, if we do this, you will find ways into life that we, we haven't imagined. Using our knowledge to build up through love. That's how we flourish. But then also, as we, as we seek to be the presence of God in this world as the church, to anyone who is not yet walking in the ways of the Lord, this is our witness. That's what's at stake. How we use our knowledge to either puff up or employ it with the love that can build up. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we are mindful today of that knowledge is powerful. And as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, so we hear now this, this call, uh, this, this gift, and this warning. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see how maybe our knowledge could be better used to build up. And Lord, I pray that particularly this church, in this season of life, that we would see this direct ask from you to be people who through our love are building up rather through being puffed up, tearing down. Lord, continue to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. We'll move into our time of self-offering. I know there's a lot of work the Lord has to do with each of us based on this message. I encourage you later today, open the scripture back up. Read, read it one more time. Let it keep speaking to you. We'll give you a space now to do this as, as we go into the next song. And also we have the, the offering plates out here or, or online. Part of responding to the word is always giving of ourselves. And that includes our financial resource. So online, you can give digitally here. We have our plates. Let the word of the Lord continue to speak to you now.